0: God's Word apps in your life. They are applications and they can change your life. And uh, today I got some special words for our graduates and for our future graduates. You have the opportunity to learn something special that I didn't know as a young man and that could change your perspective in your life. Some people are really lucky. You know what I'm talking about? Really lucky. That guy right there, he's lucky. I see another person in here that's lucky. You know, that that yellow vest didn't seem to help him very much. The tree saved him. You know he's lucky he was standing behind the tree. Right? Another lucky guy. Some people are lucky. He's okay. That guy right there is lucky. He's very lucky. Here's another one. What would you say about him? He's real lucky. Super lucky. Now this has got one last lucky couple. see that young newlywed couple in India they they don't have crosswalks they just people walk across and they've got the high speed train but they're lucky because it could have ended for all five of those people life could have changed for the worse they're lucky you know and luck has to do with sometimes sports we've seen it a lot maybe this afternoon The Lakers, you know, some shots from half court, they go in in the buzzer. But most of them don't. And, you know, today we're not going to talk about luck. We're going to talk about blessings. Because luck is, you know, you either are or you aren't. And it has nothing to do with you as a person. It just falls. And when it falls, it falls. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. But blessings have to do with... You putting into practice God's Word and you will be blessed. Last week we talked about this. God's love is unconditional, right? Unconditional. He loves everybody. Doesn't matter who you are, what you are, tall, thin, thick. Doesn't matter. He loves you. Unconditional love, but His blessings are what? They're conditional. Based on if you put His Word into practice, and we talked about that extensively last week, you know, I consider myself fortunate. I consider myself very fortunate because God put people in my life at a young age at a time when I needed them. I had people around my life that, that believed in the Bible. They believed that the Bible was real and they believed that the Bible is the Word of God. And they also, most importantly, were a people that believed in putting the Bible into practice. For many years in my life, I had people that believed in the Bible, believed in God. But guess what? They did not put the Bible into practice. And I knew it. But I found a rare breed in my sister and then her husband Martin and Carmen Bentley, they were fervent about applying and putting into practice God's Word. And I saw the blessing on their family and on their marriage. And it drew me. But you know, I could have been in a lot of other places. I could have had a different sister. I could have had a different situation. I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate to be around people that took the Bible from that perspective. And if you're visiting here with us today, I want you to understand, we are in an effort, we are trying to be those people that apply God's Word. We don't just hear it, but we want to apply it. We want to put it into practice. That's why we're looking at God's Word apps. And like this phrase, the success of God's Word in our lives is dependent upon the application of it. It will be successful in your life if you apply it. If you don't apply it, it's going to be just like so many people say, oh yeah, they're Christians, but not really. They're hypocritical. They don't live what they believe. We don't want that said about us. But we need to take a, a step in that direction, and that's what we're doing today. Today's message is a game changer. It's a game changer because it could very well change your life if you respond to what we're saying. You know, I want to brag on a, on a couple in our faith group, in our small group, because the last couple of weeks they've been hearing these lessons about marriage and family and then applying it. We had our faith group meeting on Friday night, and it was obvious. They'd been making changes. Hearing her share about him, and him share about her, and there were flowers on the table over there, and man, it was, it was like something had changed. If you knew this couple where they were at a couple of months ago, it's a changed story. Why? Why such a big change? Is it summertime? Spring is in the air? They heard a song? No, it's about God's Word apps. If you apply the Word, it can change everything. And I hope today can be your game changer. I hope today you can decide that your life will change. We had another couple visiting with us at our faith group. And just because they've been reading the Bible, this past week they started reading, faith was growing Face was on the upslide, but I, you know, as I told him, I said, "You're just getting started. You haven't seen anything yet. You're about to see some amazing things in your life if you hear it and if you believe it, and then what? If you apply it. But it's all dependent on us, and that's what we're going to see today. Look at our, our passage here in Second Peter. We looked at it last week. Peter's encouragement to the churches in Asia Minor was this." So make every effort to apply the benefits of these promises to your life. Then your faith will produce a life of moral excellence. A life of moral excellence that leads to knowing God better. You know, you're going to know God better not by reading books. By understanding, you're going to know God better by applying His Word. That's what this passage is saying. But you know what? The sad truth is, today, as it happens many times, the message may just go right over your head. You ever sat through school? And I'm sure you guys have. Probably this last week. Sat through a whole hour of class. What would you get from it? Nada. Zero. Like in the soccer matches, you know. I, I got World Cups on them, but you know, sometimes guys, I gotta confess, to sit down and watch a game for an hour and a half, and the end of the game is zero zero. I just don't get fired up about that. And then they go Cero! cero. Yeah, cero, cero! We tied. You know. I much rather, and, and no offense, Josh. I know Josh is offended because he's avid. And then the other you guys that are offended. You know, I kind of like the teams where they come out with everything on the table. You know, the African teams. Brazil. Man, they go after it. Just, every time they go on the field, they say, All right, which one of us is going to get the record for most goals this year? Remember our old friend, Pele? He had five. Or six in one World Cup. Let's go get him. And they go for it. I like that. But today I want to ask you a question with the message that you're going to hear. Are you going to make every effort? Are you? Are you going to take notes? Are you going to write it down? Or are you going to fold your arms and go, yeah, I'll hear it. And if I don't get it, I'll, I'll, I'll go back and hear it online. No, you want? You know what? I might as well be talking to this piano right over here. You know? I might as well be delivering this message to this piano right here. Talk back. I got got more response out of the piano than... Key point to hear this morning. Applying God's Word will move your life, our lives, from where they are to where God wants to take them. Where He wants to be. For each one of us, and I don't care who you are or what your background, God has a specific plan for your life. He's got a plan. He's got a vision. He's got a dream of what He wants to do with your life. What stands between you and that fulfillment? You applying God's Word. That's what it's all about. You stand at a crossroads today. Today could be a game changer for you, your family, your marriage, your life, the people around you, your friends. You could be a game changer for them. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the faith. The moment you stop applying is the moment that you stop growing. I've seen people that have been in the faith for many years. And you know what I see in their lives? Because they stop applying, they start going backwards. And it blows my mind. What happened to all that they learned? All those years of study, all those years of of going to church and listening and practicing and, and, and hearing the message. What happened? So you can be the youngest person in the faith, or you can be the oldest person in the faith, applying doesn't choose favorites. It will bless whoever's doing it right now. Not only that, uh, when you uncover the truth of God, it makes you move. It makes you more aware of the things in your lives. If If you start to uncover the truth... Like if you start studying the Bible, it's going to make you aware of things in your life. But here's something that happens. When, when you go and you apply God's truth in your life, it makes you wise. Because what you know, and this is for the young people, both front sections here and the rest of us, but especially to you guys. Because you're in school. Don't go out of school. But what you know is not what makes you wise. It's the ability to apply what you know that makes you wise. See, there's a difference between wisdom and wiz dumb. Did you get that? You don't want to be wiz dumb. You want to have wisdom. And the difference is, is that what you know, you are able to apply. Don't waste your time in school. Yeah, but you don't understand my teacher. My teacher, she's boring. He's boring. He's weird. I don't get anything. He's monotone. Hey, you can get something from every situation in your class. A lot of complaints on young people's you know, mind is, I'm never going to use this stuff. Right? Some of that's true. But there's a lot of things that you're going to use later in life. The ability to learn something and retain it pass a test, because there's going to be a lot more stuff. Guess what? I'm 46 years old, and I'm still in school. I'm still learning how to apply God's Word. I'm still learning how to help people. I'm still learning how to be a better dad. I'm still learning how to be a better husband. I'm still learning how to be a better son, a better friend. i got a lot to learn, let me tell you. And that whole time when I was in school taught me that I can get something from any situation, if I will pay attention and apply what I learn, and you will. Let's take a look. You know, we get we get marvelled at young kids who are smart. I want to show you a kid here. If we can lower the lights, we're going to see the smartest kid in the world. Maybe she's two years old. Let's watch.
1: There's been a whole lot to stand up and cheer for in the UK these days, and now. Another pint-sized prodigy from England is making a big splash across the pond, but this time it's for her big brain rather than her big voice You want an isosceles triangle? She's only two years old, but little Elise Roberts has an IQ of 156 Albert Einstein's was 160 Mensa the high IQ fraternity recently welcomed Elise as their youngest member she can count in Spanish. But her favorite thing? World capitals. What's the capital of America? Washington. What's the capital of Japan? She knows 35 of them. Not bad for a two-year-old. What's the capital of Sierra Leone? What's the capital of Nigeria? And as I found out, that's a lot more than most of us. We'll start easy. Uh, Spain. Uh, mm. How about the capital of Nigeria? Abu uh, Dhabi? No. How about Nigeria? Nigeria. No chance. Djibouti? How about Sierra Leone? Oh, no chance. Sierra Leone? I have no idea. Freeport. <laughs> That's actually a town on Long Island. Maybe we Americans should take this as a sign to start drinking more tea and eating more crumpets. For Good Morning America, Taryn Winterbrill, ABC News, New York.
0: Two years old, IQ of 156. You know, we get impressed. We like that kind of stuff. See it in the news, a six-year-old that can play a concert on a concert piano and do a whole a whole, you know piece of work. What's it called? A concerto, right? We get impressed by that. There's kids that graduate from college at 12 years old. And we get impressed. We go, wow. You know the interesting thing about those young prodigies? Those young kids? What do you hear about them later in life? The great majority don't amount to very much in their adult life. You want to know Why? Because knowing a lot doesn't give you the ability to be successful in your life. What gives you the ability to be successful in your life is knowing something and applying it to how you live. Then you're going to be successful. Me personally... I don't know what my IQ is. I know it's not 156, and I don't know all the world capitals. I know a few. And when I was in school, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. Okay? But you know, that's okay. I'd rather be a middle-of-the-road guy who, if I don't know a lot, but what I know I apply, that way I can ensure I'm going to be successful and the people around me will be blessed because of it. And I want to encourage you young people today, whatever you learn, learn one thing. It's very important that you put into practice what you learn. You don't have to know it all, but what you know you're going to be held responsible to put into practice. That's God's position. Here's what an old quote, an old preacher said. He said, if you feed your faith, you will starve your doubts. Any doubters here today in the audience? You're starving. You're starving for more faith and you've got to feed your faith so that your doubts will go away. And some people do a great job at growing, but not so good at feeding themselves. You know, you give a kid food at a young age, he's going to grow. But you won't see the consequences of what you fed them until they're later in life. We need to make sure that we're getting fed quality things in our lives, our minds and our hearts. Because later in life it's going to start to come out. What kind of character, what kind of food did you feed on, what kind of things did you learn in order to be successful and overcome challenges in your life? It's very important for us. And I think a lot of us are feeling the effects of what we ate a long time ago, maybe last night. And another point here is the Bible is not a book for life that will help you have morals. But it's a guide for life. It's a guide. It will show you how and the way to live. It will get you out of a tough spot. And a lot of us today may be feeling a ceiling in our lives. We're just, we're stuck. We've got situations going on. We've got things that we can't change. And I want to encourage you. You're one step away. You're one step away from a breakthrough. You're one step from that three-point shot that will change the game. If you just will apply the Word of God. Look what the the book of Psalms says. Psalm 119, verse 105. It said, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. You know, for the most part, David's life went pretty well. But there were some times in his life where he turned the lamp out and he set it down. He wasn't listening. He wasn't applying. He stopped applying God's Word. And he shows us a real example of a man who can fall, even though he's God's man. Because he stopped applying any of us. But if you start applying, that's the good news. You're going to know where to go. Just like this path right here. Clear. Ready to go. That's how it can be in your life. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1.5 through 3. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. Notice the difference here. What's the difference between lo- knowledge and love? Love involves the act. It involves an action. You know, and a lot of people have this idea that don't just, sh- don't just tell people you love them. What? Show them. And that's better. I'm saying if you do both, studies have shown. We need to hear that people love us and see that people love us. Both is better. More is better in this case. But knowledge is not enough. That's great that you know a lot about the Bible, but are you applying what you know? Are you living? And this is the kind of church that we want to be. We want to be an action church. We want to be a people that put into practice what we learn. And if you're visiting here with us today, I want to encourage you. Don't just sit down and listen and learn, but put it into practice. And today you're going to leave with your pockets full. You're going to have a lot that you can do this summer that you can put into practice. And that can change your life and the lives of other people. We don't want to be puffy. We want to be real. People of love. God's Word is always true. But when it's applied, it becomes powerful. It, 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 it gives you power. Anybody in need of some power this morning? Feeling a little drag? You know, every once in a while here in the services, I see some people and they're bobbing their head and they're not saying, Amen, I'm with you. Okay? They're not going, Oh, yeah, I agree with that point. No, they're bobbing because they're out of power. It's been a long week. God's Word, if you apply it, it can give you power. And some of us think, Well, that's just his personality. Give you an example like Robert Lickfeld. Man, that guy can't sit still. He's going. He's always going. In a meeting, if you give him a chance to share, we've had to work on Robert a little bit. Man, he can share the whole meeting. He can go. He's got a lot of energy, a lot of power. But then some of us don't. We're a little flat. If you're there or not there, nobody notices. Not really. It's important. You say, well, that's a personality issue. No, it's not. Not what the Word of God says. The Word of God can give you power. It means you can come out of the box ready to go. You'll have something inside, a fire inside of you. You know, and the Bible left to itself. A lot of people try this, you know. And, and even here in this church, you see that box back there? You know what that has in it? Any idea? Has scrolls. And you know why they have them there? Because they're an adornment. They adore the scrolls. And I believe that God's Word is sacred. But you know when it becomes sacred? Not when it's sitting in a cabinet behind closed doors. It becomes sacred when you open it, you read it, and you apply it. Then it becomes powerful. You know, it would be nice if we had a church Bible. Some churches have that. They have a church Bible. And it sits on the altar. It's a big, fat Bible. Big, gold gold lining on the outside. And it's always there since the beginning of the church. They bought the Bible at the beginning, and it's always been there. Some churches have had their Bible for 30, 40, 50, 100 years. It's the church Bible. And everybody goes, wow, that's the church Bible. But you know, if you don't read it and apply it, and if that church doesn't put into practice what the word, the the church Bible says, it makes no difference at all. You know, some people have this idea that if you put the Bible in your car, you won't get in an accident. Really, I'm not kidding. You know, and, and some people believe if you've got a Bible in your house... Your house won't get blown over by a tornado. I think there was a change this past couple of weeks uh, because when the house was leveled, they guess what they found in the bottom of the rubble? They found the family Bible. And that's good. This is not going to save you unless you open it, use it, read it and apply it. Then it will save you. How about if you put it under your pillow at night? You know, maybe some osmosis. It, it, it'll, it'll go through the pillow and up into your brain. Right? And then you'll come, you wake up in the morning, man, I got the Word of God in my head. I'm getting it. No, it doesn't work that way. You can even sleep right on top of it, not under your pillow, right on top of it. it won't make any difference in your life. See, this is not to be in the dormant. This is to be used, to applied, and to be read. Look what... uh Look what it says about Jesus. Now, why was Jesus' life so different? He was, he was, but there's a very important point we need to see here in John chapter 1, verse 14. As it's talking about Jesus, listen to what it says, the Word says about Jesus. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the One and the Only, the, that came, who came from the Father. Full of grace and truth. Why was Jesus' life so powerful? Because He was the living, breathing, walking Word. That's what made the difference. Jesus was the walking Word. That's what made Him different. That's what made Him stand out. That's what gave Him the answers. When the the Pharisees tried to stump Him and they asked Him all these hard questions, He always gave the right answer. Always dumbfounded them. He silenced them. They had no more questions. Why? Because he was applying the Word. And we can't make excuses because of what somebody did in the past with the Word and how they misused the Word. It's you and God. God. Just because somebody else did something bad with the Word doesn't mean that the Word is corrupted. No, Jesus is the perfect example. If you apply the Word, your life will stand out. You will have power. You will have answers. You will be wiser than the oldest wise man. I shared this uh, the other day at the Singles Midweek Because in all of these studies about the purpose of marriage, I asked my father, he's 83 years old, just turned 83 this month. Been married 57 years. What a blessing. And We were talking about marriage and the nieces and nephews, and you know, there's some squirrely stuff going on. But we talked about it and I said, you know, what do you think the purpose of marriage is? You know, we were talking about it. He says, uh, well, I think the purpose of marriage is to have children. And you know, I go, wow. He's been married for 57 years. He's lived on this earth. And no, no dis, you know, disrespect at all. No disrespect whatsoever. He's been married for 57 years. lived life for 83 years. And because I've studied this... And because I'm still studying this, I got answers that he's never had. And I walked him through it. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. A man will leave his father and mother and will be united with his wife. Purpose of marriage? That they will be one. That's purpose number one. Number two, verse 25, right after that that they will be holy. The man and the woman walked around naked and felt no shame. Wholeness, holiness, then what? Happiness. You know, it's amazing, guys. If you learn and study the Bible and put it into practice, you can be one of the wisest people of all the ages. You can have answers. And that's what we're talking about. Jesus had answers because He walked in the Word. He applied the Word like nobody else. And He was also the Son of God and the Messiah. Isaiah 55, verse 10. This is a great verse. Powerful. Look at what it says. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You ever notice whether the rain falls in the rainforest, if it falls in the desert, it's still going to produce something, Right? Something's going to grow. Even in Death Valley, there's there's a time of the year after the rainy season where it it will produce some growth in something. Not very long, but it will produce growth. And God has an intention with that. God's Word is the same. If you read it and you apply it, it it will change who you are, how you are, and the way you are. It will do something in your life. But if you don't allow it, it can't change you. You know, and there's some great examples of people that even the Word of God, when it was preached to them, instead of heart, instead of making them better, it made them worse. Why? Because it just revealed what was inside of them. Bitterness, anger, resentment. And God uses that. He reveals it but we need to make sure that we allow God's word to flourish in our lives. I hope today that the word of God can do something amazing in you today. Hebrews chapter 13. Look what the writer of Hebrews says here, how much he wants to see the the listeners of this letter be blessed. Look what he says, may the God of peace through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead of our Lord from the dead of our Lord Jesus that great shepherd of sheep equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. How much did the writer of Hebrews want the people that listened to be blessed? He wanted them to have everything. Today I want to make it clear. I want you. And as a church, we want the church... To have everything it needs to be successful. Some churches, as we talked about before, are good at growing, but not at feeding. And if you don't feed people, the consequences later on will come out. They won't remain. And their lives will come undone. But that also doesn't have to do with what you're getting fed. It's whether you eat it or not. Why is there so much apathy in the church today? Indifference. I don't care. doesn't matter to me. Why is there so much? Because people don't hear the Word and apply the Word. And it's on an individual basis. I can't force you. I can't go and get you into a headlock, some of you young guys, and say, let's go over here, I'm going to put you in a headlock until you get it. I'm going to make you do what the Bible says right now. Is that going to work? Jacob, where is he? Is that going to work for you? It make you mad, right? They have an opposite effect. No one can force anyone. It has to be an individual decision. And I don't care how great the teaching. You know, Wednesday night, we're doing marriage principles. It blows my mind, why aren't all the marriages here on Wednesday night? Blows my mind. To have a guy up here, John Mantle, all that experience, and not only just teaching it, but he's lived it. Got wisdom. And Nancy, Nancy's over there amening a few of his points. Because she's amening his points because John's living it. Right? But we can, we can have the buffet, the table set, man, all you can eat. And guess what? Nobody eats. And then you won't have everything. It's up to you. Just like Jesus when He sowed the seed, it was up to the people. Here's three things that God's Word can do for you. God's Word will free you up. If you've got something that's got you tied down right now in your life, something that's holding you down, that's got you constricted, that's holding down your change... God's word can set you free from that. And this scripture in John 8:32 talks about that. Then you will be my you will really be my disciples in the truth and then you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. That's what God's word can do. God's word can set you free. But you must read it, you must apply it. You must do it. And then number 2, God's word will build you up. And that's what this passage talks about in Acts chapter 20, verse 30, 32. You can study it later. But Paul gave the word to the elders in the church in Ephesus and said, this word can build you up in your holy faith. It can build you up. It can give you strength. It can charge you up. How many cars do you think we have out here today? In our parking lot and all the way down the road to the end. If you got here late, you probably had to park way down there encourage you to get here early. There's no parking problem at nine o'clock. Man, you get VIP parking right here at nine o'clock. But what if you walk out of your, your, this, this service today and you, you know, you ever had that feeling? I know that feeling. You turn the key and click, 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 and no start. What's the problem? You got nothing in the battery. But most of us have the confidence you're going to walk out, you're going to put the key in the car and you're going to turn it over and it turns right over. Why? Because you're charged and you're ready to go. It doesn't matter whether it's hot, whether it's cold, doesn't matter what the weather like or the conditions are, you got power and you're ready to go. How about in your life, your spiritual life? If God wants to turn you over and start your engine... Do you have the power to go? Are you ready? And for some of us this summer, let me make it real clear, God wants to use your life. But I'm afraid because we haven't gotten charged up on God's Word, He's going to turn it over and guess what? Click, click. Click, click. Just the same feeling. Oh, man. Didn't they get what, what, what I talked to them about? It's right here. But that can change today. That's the good news about today. Everything can change today. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what state you are in life. Everything can change. And number three, God's Word will grow you up. God's Word will grow you up. And that's what I'm talking about. Your your full development as a disciple. Not getting big. Getting big. Inside. Getting powerful from the inside. That you got strength on the inside. The conditions of our hearts will determine, and this is where we're going to close out, can determine whether we really apply the Word and thrive or not. Let's look at a passage here. You're going to need your Bibles. You've gotten lazy a little bit lately. It's time to get our Bibles out. Get your Bible out, and let's open it to Matthew chapter 13. You with me? Hold your your Bible up for me. Some of you got it. Okay, some of us haven't got our Bibles. Hold your Bible up. Got it. Matthew chapter 13. Let's go. The Word of God. Matthew 13. You know, what's so awesome about the, uh, the Word of God, even the people that had Jesus there, In their presence, they got to see him and they got to hear him preach. Jesus spoke in parables to the multitudes, but only a few, the apostles and the closed circle, got to hear the explanation of the parables. Guess who's a part of that circle today? We are. You are of the privileged few. Some people would hear those parables and they go, What? What's he getting at? What's he mean by that? What's he talking about? Let's look. Here you're going to get to hear what the public heard. Chapter 13, verse 3. Then he told them many things and parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along a path, and the birds of the air came and ate ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not much have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Verse 10, the disciples came to him and said, Why do you speak to the people in parables? Just say it, Jesus! Jesus used the parables to distinguish hearts. And he explained it here. You can read about it. He revealed hearts through the parables. Even the apostles didn't get it the first time around. They got the explanation. That's what we're going to read verse 18 later on. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Now, you're privileged. You're in that small group on the outside. You're getting to hear the explanation. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message, what kind of message? What message? The Word. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. This seed is sown along the path. The one who receives the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the Word and at once receives it with joy, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the Word, he quickly falls away. The one who receives the seed fell, along, fell among the thorns is the man who is... is the man. Who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it. And guess what else he does? He puts it into practice. And look what it does. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown What are we talking about? A crop. Life change. His and who else? Lots of other people around Him. Want to make a difference in your school? Want to make a difference in your community, in your neighborhood? Here it is. But Jesus is talking about the condition of our hearts. And He goes through what is limiting the application of God's Word in your life right now. What's the condition? you got the first one that's thrown along the path. Can that seed get in? Can it go in deep? No, it can't. It stays right on the surface. And I get this going on in my yard all the time. I sow seed. Springtime and in the summer. And guess who comes along and steals it? Man, we got these crows. They come along early in the morning before I'm out there because I can't scare them off. And these little birds... Little sparrows. And they're out there in droves. And I know that all the seeds are gone. So what you have to do is you 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 sow the seed and then you cover it up. But even those crows, those those smart crows, they go after it. And then then number two is the, the the second soil in the rocky places. There's some soil there, but it's not very deep. Very superficial people. No depth. Not really going in deeper. Very important in your Bible study to go deeper. Spend some time thinking about what you just read. Don't just read it. Think about what it means and how you can apply it in your life. Go deeper. What's God saying to you today? How's He talking to you? And then number three, the cares of, this, the, cares of the world limiting God's plan in your life for fruitfulness. What is God's plan for our, each one of us? Every single one of us, without exception, according to what Jesus is saying. He wants to make us fruitful. Meaning, He wants to make our lives grow. He wants to make our lives thrive. And if our lives thrive, guess what it does? I'm here today because somebody's life was thriving. You're here today because you saw someone, and you you saw some power in that person's life, either by an invitation, and then you said, Man, I need that. I need what they have. And then it grows. And it produces a fruit. Here are the four conditions. Can you see them? No, you can't see them too well. You've got the dry soil, the flower, which is the superficial, and then you've got the, the weed area where it gets choked out. But then there's one in the hands of God, that little plant in black soil. Fertile soil. Moist. can't see it, but it's there. But Jesus is talking about He walked the earth. In Palestine. And guess what he was doing? He was throwing it out. Here it is. This could change your life. This could change your family today. There it is. There it goes. What's it going to produce in you today? The exact same result as what he's talking about. Four different heart conditions. Today we're going to celebrate the communion as we do every Sunday. What's the point of communion? Why did Jesus die on the cross? He died for our sins. But why so passionately? Why so intently? Why why was it so intense what Jesus went through? I don't know if you've ever noticed, but before they they, 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 they plough a field, what do they do to that field? They till it. Till it means they have you ever seen one of those tills? And we always used to joke around when you had a till. How'd you like to be lying down and have one of those things run over you? They got these these knives and they turn and they, they just they go in deep and they turn up the soil. They soften it. And now it's ready. Jesus died the way he died, and we celebrate the communion today to till our hearts so that the Word can go in and produce a crop. But I don't know if you've ever tried to till, use one of those tillers in a a parking lot. How's it going to work? You're going to break it. It will have no difference, no impact. You're going to need a jackhammer. And sometimes God sends a jackhammer in your life. You know what I'm talking about? Some of us had it. You get one of those huge air compressor jackhammers, and man, it will go through anything. That's, that's what you have personal turmoil in your life. That's God. That's God knocking, knocking on your door. He's saying, hey, I want your attention. I am trying to soften your heart. I'm trying to get your attention. I want to help you. I want to change you. I want to, I want to get you back on track with my plan, not your plan. Your plan's a failure. It's time that you get through with that. And I said, Amen, God. You're right. My plan has failed. 21 years old. I, I didn't have a big jackhammer, but I had a little one. It worked. And in the cross of Jesus, after the hardness was gone, He went through and the passion of Christ went through and tilled my heart, making it soft again. And the tears rolled down and the Word went out and went in deep. And then the roots could start growing. Very important. And that's why even as older disciples, we need the communion again today some of us have allowed our hearts for one reason or another. Whatever happened this week, it got hard. Let the cross soften your heart again. Jesus died a brutal death for you. To remind you, I love you and I want to help you. And I want this word to go into your heart and change your life. See, because Jesus just dying for us and us believing, it won't change our lives. It's the beginning. What's going to change us, we'll be forgiven and we'll have salvation, but it won't change us. It won't won't get us on God's plan. What will get us on God's plan is the Word going in, sinking in, taking root, and flourishing. That's God's plan for you and for me. So let's go to God in prayer and give thanks for the communion. But as you take... The bread. Remember. Jesus' body was given up for you. And as you drink the cup, remember, that's Jesus' blood. It's to remind you what was poured out for you. To forgive you of the things that you did this week that you felt bad about. And you can start fresh. But let it sink into your heart, not your head. And let it change you. And then we're going to throw some seed after we're done. Let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, we thank You for the privilege.